Daily DVR Dives into Mindhunter is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Look good when you step out in the morning. Elevate your style. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today and save 20% on your order. No minimum. Use code DVR20. That's all you got to do. Use code DVR20 today and save 20% off your order. If you've got an event coming up, if you've got... If you just want to look good, go to cufflinks.com and they'll help you out. They've even got a blog over there that details how to get prepared for these big events and order everything for everyone. You know, that can be a hassle. Let cufflinks.com help you do that. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome to Daily DVR Does Mindhunter. My name is Axel. My co-host is, of course, the wonderful, amazing and stiletto-wearing Heath Santazzo, Heath Solo. You can find out more about us at dvrpodcast.com and also consider supporting us and becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dvr. Getting into my radio voice. I'm getting excited. You can also send your feedback to dvrpodcast at gmail.com. Today we're going to be talking about Mindhunter Season 1, Episode 7, Brutus. This is a good one, baby. So let's get to it. Solo, how you doing, baby? Let me clear my throat. <coughs> hey, I'm doing good, Folo. Uh, love this episode. Uh, it's like, it's interesting, Axel, because, you know, we've watched these episodes several times, I would say. First time we watched it, might have done a rewatch. And then we decided to do the podcast, rewatch the season, and now kind of rewatching the episodes individually. But I'm so into them even more. I'm just, ah, uh, I'm just, and I'm picking up, like, a lot of the music, you know, I maybe picked up a few songs here and there, now I'm, like, I'm hearing all of Debbie's soundtrack, yes. so it's pretty awesome. I know, man, we, just, just as we were coming in, we were singing it, I wanna kiss you all over, <laughs> over again, over again, yeah, man, you just, my shoulders start popping back and forth. And you know, I'm slap. I'm snapping my fingers, uh, but this, yeah, this. I thought was you were about a, to say slapping the skins. Yeah, oh, slapping like, the what? skins in another way. Um, but this was a great episode because this is, in a lot of ways, I think this is an important episode for Wendy, and um, you know she's becoming a bigger part of the team. And as we left off in the last episode with Wendy moving into her new apartment. And then when she has um, the whole kind of discussion with them about the standardized tests and we move into this episode where we're going away from a case, we're really more about Brutus and more about what's going on in the personal lives and in the office. And I just think this is so great. And it's just like you're saying, I watch it the first time, then we rewatch, took notes, and then we're rewatching again for each episode. And you just see the way that they built this up. Like they were sitting in the writer's room and they're like, okay, we did a case. We got to come back here. So everything has kind of its flow and you get, you kind of feel it out the more you watch it, you know? Yeah. While, while I enjoyed them doing just a case and all that, now I'm like ready for another interview. Like I like the balance here. Um, sometimes, I don't know, the show has its way of, Giving you what you want. Yeah. And I was ready. And they and they tease the Brutus, Brutus 
or Brutos. I want to say Brutus. Uh, the Brutos, they teased it last episode to be their next interview. And so you don't really need a whole them traveling. Boom, Oregon comes up and they're there. Yeah, yeah. And this so, this whole – now we get a quick cold open where it looks like BTK is preparing for a kill. And just like kind of putting yes. things together. That's not much to say. Still same thing, slice of life. And I actually remember to mention it at the beginning of the episode this time. Um, <laughs> that's the first time. <laughs> so do you have anything you wanted to mention about that? I think it's just same creepy stuff, right? Yeah, no. I You know, he points the gun and it's like, whoa, easy, BTK. And then, I don't know, it's weird how he has his blue jacket laid out. Well, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's just ritual. Yeah, it's just like, wow, he's really, you know, we see him, you know, tying knots with his wife. We see him working. We see like almost the everyday working man. And now it's like, I'm an everyday working man, but now I am a detailed serial killer. So it's. It gives you that juxtaposition, if you will. Yeah, definitely. You're right. You're right. And you see how kind of – it's interesting how um, they – one of the things that they show with the BTK stuff, I felt, now that you mention it, is how they say – you know, a per, they always like the guy next door, he was so normal. I never thought that he would yeah. do anything <laughs> like that. But then when you watch in silence his actions in different places, you see, no, he always is that guy. Yeah, because he looks like a guy that, yeah. aside from the uh, the roll of rope or whatever at work, he just seems like, oh, this dude can't harm anyone. Like when, he, when he's doing the security thing and the, and the wife is there and just asking for a sign, um, she, she is, doesn't fear him at all. Like, even though we know he's creepy and he's got something going on, he just blends in as this, oh, it's yeah. this dude with a mustache. He looks like a dad. But he also, you know? in both places, he has this same, like, kind of obsession of of detail, right? And, like, preparation. Right. And it's just, it's creepy. It shows how kind of, like, in the same way that we're getting to know Tench and Wendy um, and especially Holden, and you see the way that they they have their own little rituals, you know, and things that they believe, and then that's what makes you think. And I think that's why people love the show so much. Is you're kind of like, geez, what kind of serial killer stuff do I do? Like when I'm doing, yeah, ooh, uh, it's like, am I prepared? Yeah, no, it's fun. <laughs> it's funny because after watching this show. Every time I meet someone new, I'm almost extra nice because I'm like, what if, what if they're a serial killer? <laughs> Dude. And if I say the wrong thing, will they kill me? I, will they, you know, or they'll be like, you were nice to me. I won't kill you. I have to tell you the prolonged way that we're covering this and and watching this show, it has seeped in. And I think that I have the same reaction. So it's funny that you and I have the same reaction where – it's like I just become more suspicious of everyone, so I've decided maybe I should be a little bit nicer. Like I don't want to, I don't want to attract anyone to take too much of an interest in me, you know? Like oh, I know. But um it's kind of funny. But uh you're absolutely right. We jump right in there in Salem, Oregon, which is less than like it's about an hour away from me. I'm in Portland. 
Um, it's well, I'm flying in to see you, and then we got to go interview some peeps. Yeah, let's do Salem, that. Maybe so. we'll. I'll. Tr- I'll. You know what? I'll case out the area and see if I can find any uh, any serial killers solo. Maybe okay, we'll take okay. a few. Oh, cases. we could just go to the prison. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's you true. know. Yeah, we could do it, but I'd rather take a few cases. Okay, we're going to do it. We're getting okay. on the road, Sorry. baby. Off track. It'll be just as creepy, right. though, um, because this is shot so well. I really like the way that they kind of made it so creepy coming into Oregon, because one of the things is that uh, it is so beautiful here, but sometimes all the trees and the green can have a kind of like creepy hue because if it's cloudy and they really capture that coming in and the great and I wanted to mention too what they do with Brutos is every time before you see him you hear him yes you hear that little laugh <laughs> right it's like the joker dude yeah yes and he is totally trying to psych them out right from the beginning he's talking about oh Ali knocked him out you know how hard it is to Bust a guy's jaw. And he has that voice, too, like he's from the 1940s. You know, that I just... Man, this character is such a... He, he This actor does such a great job of bringing um, this real person to life. But as I'm sure in most cases, the actor is much more interesting than it would be if you were probably hearing the real person. That's kind of what I assume. But I haven't watched any of these... Have you wa- have you gone back now and watched like Kemper or any of these guys? No, um, I, I was on the the Google and uh, because I was looking up uh, when I was looking at the Ed Kemper, the, the the actor who plays him, and then I was like, I wonder how he looks like him. And I saw like a couple of clips of him. And I'm like, oh my god, it looks just like him. But I haven't like watched. Uh, that that might be a little project for later. Yeah. But I don't know how deep I want to get into it. But I do like when uh, Brudos is what I mean that they got a great me- uh, uh, reference to the Norton Ali fight and how breaking a jaw takes practice. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, ooh, but yeah, that laugh of the Joker, and I'm just like, and then I look, I go, is that Scotty Six? I was like, no, no, that's not Scotty Six. It might be a distant cousin. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's at Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, well, because uh, Scotty Six is an opera singer, and wow. so this actor has such a laugh and is such a projection. Yeah, that's it. so. I was like, oh, but um, his yeah, name's Happy no, Anderson it, 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 is the actor's name. I just yeah, saw. That. I'm sure I know I've seen him in other stuff. Yeah. I just, yep. uh, but um, I mean, it's so different because, like you said, he's almost trying to get in their heads right away. He sits down. The, the guys are behind him. Uh, he's already demanding cigarettes and pizza, exactly. and he's and he's messing with them. Yeah, like it's almost like he's prepared, or he because I don't think he's done this before. Maybe when a cop or something comes in uh, to question him, or in the past when he's been interrogated. But yeah, it just it's it's a total different vibe. Yeah, it's really interesting, Solo, um, that he. I see he and Kemper as like evil twins or mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. you're like you're describing it like almost um like the Joker and the Riddler or something like that, you know, or I, I don't know, maybe Kemper is more like uh 
almost Mr. A, Freeze. Yeah, Mr. Freeze or like a brainiac type character, you know, that's like yeah, his yeah. intellect. <laughs> and then Brutos, even though they have the same physical, they're both imposing, they're larger, they like to talk, but he does oh, so many things differently. He doesn't want to be honest, right? He he doesn't want to admit that he killed these women, even though he already has admitted that he's done. He's playing all these games with them that the way that he says, and he does similar things to Kemper. The way Kemper also immediately started talking about like, you know, it's not easy to strangle someone to take the light. It's not as easy as people would think. And then he starts talking about, you know, it's hard to break a jaw. The same thing of (laughs) I've hurt people, right? Like you're talking to a person who has killed people and makes, and the table sitting and all the, it's, they make such an interesting pair. And then when we find out in the, in the uh, interview, when he lets it go and says, well, Kemper was right. You are idiots or, you know, you are morons or something, mm-hmm. which really makes Holden morons, very, up, yeah. very upset, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the one thing that messes, it's not killing. It's not the pictures. It's not this and that. It's, wait, Ed said I was a moron? <laughs> yeah. He's like, Bill, Bill, does that sound like something that Ed would say? <laughs> It just doesn't sound like Ed. And then Tench is like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you? He's getting, you know, he, and I can, I can, I tell you as time goes on, it's strange. When I first started watching the show, I felt myself aligned much more with Holden. Um, and as I rewatch, I come closer and closer to Tench's point of view, uh, mm-hmm. which is that. These guys are disgusting. I'm not like I'm fascinated by um, serial killers, crime things. And I think a lot of people are, you know, it's a dark side. It's a different side. But I've never been a person who would say like, oh, I'm a fan of that. You know, like I still always maintain that these are disgusting people and that even the guys who appear to be highly intelligent like Kemper are really not that smart you know they they're so damaged that they're not anything to kind of put on a pedestal because you know how it is people do that in the same way that Holden seems to have this fascination with with uh Charlie Manson right um Charlie Manson (laughs) Charlie Manson so I can kind of see how this conversation is really interesting because they've been doing this a little while now, right? We're seven episodes in. This is the, is this the fourth guy they've spoken to? Fourth or fifth, right? Because it was one that was really quick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm trying to think so now because I, I don't want to, I don't want to skip ahead because I, I, it yeah, kind of well, blends in a little bit. And it also, we, you know, also they've done a fair amount of detective actual in the field work where they're interviewing yeah, people. Yeah. So, but suffice to say, it's interesting to see the way Holden and Tench's relationship over the, um, and we might as well, you know, we can, because they talk with, they talk with Brutus, they leave, and then they kind of quickly come back. And within the first half hour of the show, the first 25 or so minutes, we've spent 15 of those minutes 
um, or 20 of them in these interviews. And you can see the way Tench and Holden work off each other. And Tench kind of surprised me in this one, right? Like he seems like he's going hard again, but then he kind of actually, when Holden is going to talk, kind of go back to asking the questions on the sheet. It's actually Tench that goes rogue. Oh, yeah, he goes off script, yeah. which is did not expect that at all. Um, because, yeah, you can tell Bill Tench. I mean, think about how far he's come just with these interviews where he didn't even want to go see Kemper. He <laughs> yeah, goes exactly. and right off the bat, he's like, you're an asshole. You're a killer. You know, wh- why am I here? And now he's he's going the the Holden route. And Holden's even surprised. He gives a look. Like, oh, we're going off script? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, that, that great point, Axel. That, I love that moment. That was great because I oh. really – oh, what's up? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you notice that the recorder is smaller? Yeah, that's right. He says, where's the microphone? And he goes, it's the little yeah. silver thing. Right? That Now, is that – has there been a passage – I guess there hasn't been a passage. It's just, I guess, throughout – Seven episodes. It's hard they to just tell. Upgraded equipment. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think that that's the other thing with this show is that um, it's it's sometimes hard to tell the passage of t- true passage of time within the show. Like, how long has Wendy actually been there with them? Mm-hmm. Because in the episode style, it's o- we're only like what two episodes out from them riding the elevator down together where she officially becomes a part of the team. And in this episode, um, especially when we get back from the first interview with Brutus, the relationship with Wendy seems so open. Like they're, you know what I mean? They're very comfortable with each other to disagree. Um, Tench has a little bit of an attitude. She gets a little bit mad even later about the questionnaire. So I don't know. I think it's probably been a couple months. Yeah. And plus, you know, with travel time yeah. and days off or, and stuff. So there's probably, uh, you know, there's got to be more time than we think. It's not like, okay, this is our next case. Episode ends. Boom. We're there. But right. there's got to be some time in between as well because it's not. 2019 where everything seemed so faster and boom 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 it, it it life was took a little bit of a little bit of more time in between acts true you yeah you're right so even for information for them to get a request they have to call up and then they hear about you know right like there's not that yeah. instantaneous um and they are you can see things are happening in their personal lives right um, we see in this episode mm-hmm. Wendy settling into her apartment. Um, but that's interesting that uh, f- you mentioned that about kind of the time period and like how everything is a little bit <laughs> a little more lackadaisical and slower. <laughs> you forgot, you forget about that, don't you? Now with everyone yeah. on their cell phones, things took a little bit like I mean, when they're cause... waiting for a call. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's, you know, think about now, we occupy our downtime by iPads and phones and texting people and, and all this stuff where, when you look at it, our Mindhunter listeners, Daily DVR does Mindhunter, think about the downtime where you just maybe think, or you just sit and just yeah. think about something, 
or just take a bath. Do people take baths anymore? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I took a bath with Ed Kemper, but we both didn't fit, so I had to play with his feet. No, Who takes a- baths anymore? What's that? I'm just saying. <laughs> you're getting into oh. baths. It sounds like something oh, know, that Tench would say. Who takes baths anymore? Yeah, right. See? Yeah, Tench is my boy now. Like I you, know. I was like a Holden guy with the haircut and me shaving and you know wearing ties, and now I'm like – Want to drink whiskey and smoke cigarettes and barbecue? Oh, but man. uh, no. But I was saying, like, the downtime of just peace and quiet. Yeah, and um, you, you know, we're always checking our emails and all that, and it's so nice when. But we're so addicted to it that we, when we don't do it, we feel like, oh my god, am I missing something? And you know, people walking around, like, I'll go for a walk and just, I mean, maybe listen to music, but. Just kind of take in nature and just, or smog where I live, and just kind of walk the streets. And everyone's on their damn phones and almost yeah. getting hit by cars because I, I don't understand jogging and checking your phone. I don't get it. I'm like, but anyway, I digress. I miss 1977. <laughs> no, we got it. We got to get it. Does it's fun to talk about because. This setting is, again, so seamless, and I'm just looking right here. They're leaving the interview from the first interview from Brutos where Holden says, hey, let's go talk to the warden about this or whatever, and then Tench is kind of like, why even bother, which I like that. But then they're on the airplane, yeah, and we get this little oh, – I love this. And it's so 70s. Where you can hear like the air, you hear the air, how loud it is on the airplane. The sound design on the show is amazing, and especially in this episode with like the little laughing of Brutos before he appears, and then every room it seems has a lot of room tone added, and then they have this dude because you're mentioning about Tench. We're both kind of like Tench, and I thought this scene was hilarious where the guy's like, "This is the seat I sit in. I have to sit in this seat." He's like, well, my partner and I need to talk. So then he starts handing like feet, severed feet oh. with shoes still on. <laughs> <laughs> and he builds it up. He builds yeah. it up with a nice picture of a woman and yeah. whatever. But it's funny because this is all Bill and Holden, you know, follows his lead like a good partner. Like it just it's it's spilling over a little bit into a social aspect in a sense, being in the plane and not technically being at work or interviewing us, but he just goes with it. Yeah. And it's just, even though he's kind of a little hesitant, but just does, you know, go ends up and it's just, Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And that also shows how they are getting along as kind of friends because Holden knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of a funny little gag and it shows how they're growing as partners and they're letting each other, especially Holden, he went with it when Tench went off book in the interview and then he goes with this too. And it's kind of like, oh, he's – it's almost like you can tell that Holden is secretly getting excited like, oh, Bill's getting in on this. We're developing a – you know, because Holden's always kind of thinking outside of himself and seeing the room as though he's not in it. And he's kind of appreciating their bond together. Because just like what we had in, um, uh, what was it, two episodes ago when he sat on the bed with him in the hotel room. Yeah. Right? And he was kind of like looking over his shoulder and he's like, you could sit on the other bed. You could tell that Holden really wants to have a relationship with Tench. 
and that's really important to him that they right. that they get right. along. Um, so now we're back at Quantico, and we get a great, really fantastic conversation that brings together everything that's happening with Wendy Holden and Ten. She's listening to the interview. So now we're seeing how this works. They go out and interview someone. She wants them to follow this guideline. They want to kind of go off book. When they come back, the evidence is there. She's listening to the tape in front of them, right? And then they have to have this kind of conversation where Bill is even saying a thing to her. This isn't only about your study. We've got to get, we've got to try to find information that we think is valid and will help police and help us in stopping killers in the future. And she has to kind of explain, but no, I have the same idea. It's just, I need you to follow this methodology. And this is kind of a crux of where a problem will lie. Yeah. And, you know, as, as much as Holden and Bill think they got nothing. Wendy's like, no, this is good information. And then she comes up with the new term, the post conviction, conviction, uh, sorting. Yes. And I'm like, and he could tell Bill is like, what, What, what's this now? we got to deal with, uh, you know, post conviction, how they react. And, and she's just like, it's all about data and putting it all together. And, uh, which is very interesting. You know, it's like, I like as much as, Wendy can seem a little stern and a little, you know, Professor Ivy Leaguey, if if you will. I'm going to say if you will a thousand times this episode. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, if, if, Don, if Donald's listening, he'll tell you. He'll write you and tell you that you said. It. <laughs> yeah. He helps but me. He's though. probably not listening. But he helps me because he Donald. he told me that I say right too much, and I do like all the time. I go right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's part of society now, that whole right. True. Like it, for the last few years, so it's like normal, but it's like the you know, you or know. you know what I mean. You know what, you know I, what mean, I mean? Yeah. That's an East Coast thing. But uh, okay, you Donald, feel if me? I will uh, continue. You feel me? Now we're just going to go through them all. Let's go to 1977. Oh, what is this? Well, no. Um, but with her, she's very – but she has to be this – I'm not going to say a mother figure, but she has to keep them on track. Yep. But at times you, you get a little annoyed because you're, it's the boys club and you're really Bill and Holden. I mean, there are guys, but <coughs> excuse me, but I love that she's not just the same character as them. Yes. I mean, they're all three of them are very different, but it, it works. Yeah. And, and, and basically, we have our feelings of what happened in the interview, and she almost brings it home for us. Listen, this is what we got from it. Then you start thinking, like, oh, she's right. Oh, this is interesting. So it's a, you know, it's a learning process for all three, uh, but she's trying to guide them in the best way, even though you know, it didn't work with – the problem is their first interview was Kemper. And that was done in such a way where it was Holden alone, then Bill came on, yeah. but Holden just kind of let Ed almost run the interview, and he's take scribbling notes really fast and, yeah, and all that. And that – Oh, I'm sorry. It just makes me think I wanted oh, no, to no. agree with you, Solo, is that the funny thing is, is that throughout this entire – once they talk to Kemper, the rest of this season, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, though, is that it's almost as if Kemper is part of the team because yeah, right. 
they are his, the idea of him is always with them. And I think that Holden almost carries Kemper into the room with him. He taught, he's such, he's the original, right? And kind Mm -hmm. of pop their cherry. Yeah. And so they owe everything is against Kemper and because he was so open and so, and, and he just, and he made Holden feel special too, right? He took such an interest in him. Um, so it's interesting to me that you mentioned that, 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 that really laid such a foundation and Wendy wasn't a part of that. So she comes yeah. in later and she has a relationship with tench in that they feel like the kind of mom and dad to holden but then when they start even in in this scene when they start talking holden is immediately attracted to the intelligence and just to the kind of ideas that they're trading in whereas tench Mm -hmm. gets more frustrated because he wants practical results he doesn't right. want to do a four-year study that at the end of it, in 20 years, you can look back and say, oh, we learned this. He wants to go out and find a killer today based on what information they got from this particular interview, right? Like that's where right. they're kind of tenches so used to what happened with Kemper and then the way they found the guy who was killing the old lady and the dog right away. And then they went and they got Frank right away. And he's thinking, okay, that's all we're, we're done. We can do one interview and catch 20 serial killers. But Wendy and Holden realize that this is a longer game they're playing. Um, and so it's funny how Tench in a way becomes they, their roles are so strange. Sometimes Holden and Wendy are the mom and dad and Tench is the little kid saying, let's go get him. Let's go get him. You know, it's really mm-hmm. fascinating the way this is written and the way all three of them work together. And also the way that there's, because perhaps, I mean, I don't want to, it's not solely because of Wendy's interest in women rather than men, but that's the sexual tension. There's not a lot of it. You get a little of it from Holden where you can tell he kind of like, I mean, Wendy is very much like his girlfriend. Yeah. You know, they're (laughs) very very similar. Take a little break to remind you of our presenting sponsor, cufflinks.com. You know, sometimes I just go over to cufflinks.com. I look at their awesome products and I say to myself, how lucky I am to have this amazing sponsor. They've got the coolest stuff over there, man. I just got, you know what they sent me and I'm going to be giving these away some popcorn cufflinks. Listen to all our podcasts at dvrpodcast.com to find out how, but they've got awesome stuff over there. So go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20. They've got socks, ties, cufflinks, money clips, tie clips, so much cool stuff, uh, even like pocket squares, just any way to kind of make you look good. Those little touches always help. Don't forget the little details, baby, because cufflinks.com's got them for you. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. 
So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore Adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. Thanks. Um, and you can see that a little bit, but Holden never crosses that line here with her or in, during these, in, during these conversations, he's just really turned on by the, the thought process. Yes, he really is. And, uh, you know, and then of course, uh, Bill calls his buddy in Portland PD, uh, and gets uh, a number for, uh, Jer's wife. And that, that was big, uh, because, uh, you know, in the interview when he when when Brudos is is really ready to just you know leave, he 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 uh, bring he calls him Jer, and it's like it kind of a whole new thing. Uh, we'll get to that, but um, I yeah, I, I don't want to skip too far ahead, even though it's the next scene. But Hol uh, Holden's out with Debbie. Debbie's his girlfriend's name, right? Yes, I, I couldn't remember. Yeah. yeah, okay. I was like, I was like, Wendy What's Debbie. Her name? Nancy. I wrote down girlfriend. It's yeah. all very Wendy, 70s. Nancy, they, <laughs> they all sound like they're related to Frank Sinatra in some way, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Wendy, it's very 70s, like Wasp, like that's their names. Wendy, Debbie, Nancy. It gets confusing. Um, but yeah, this whole but, thing uh, with the shoes is interesting too. Yeah. Oh my God. And it's set up so well throughout the episode. You get so many different. Uh, yep. Uh, observations and it's important if you will um there's a, a line where it comes a little bit later um where wendy and tench are talking and he says something about holden he's like nothing gets through that guy but then as we're yeah. watching the episode we see it gets not only does it get through to holden it's just on such a deeper level that it's almost as it if it goes so deep into him, it takes time to come out. But when it comes out, mm -hmm. it's inhabited his whole body, right? It's like he's looking at the shoes here. And when he's touching them and talking to the um, the shoe salesman, now we know that these shoes are for Brutos, but doesn't it also seem like he's taking a certain pleasure in having a secret conversation with the shoe salesman? Like he's kind of getting off on it too. Oh, is see, I okay, I you're probably right. I I just got it that he was just keeping it so Debbie didn't overhear. I, I mean, I know that's what he was doing. But it just oh I didn't even think yeah of it like if you watch that. it again there's just a yeah. certain way uh, that he's acting where I felt like he's kind of getting a dual thrill out of this yeah he's keeping it it's a it's he's excited because he figured something out for the job right 
And also, mm-hmm. he doesn't know if this is the right thing to do. You know, it's kind of pushing to extreme what Wendy said when she said, give him cigarettes, give him everything he wants, make him happy. Right. But I also felt as if the interplay with Debbie and the way he was getting turned on by her and she was getting turned on, it seems to me that she gets the idea for doing the whole lingerie shoe thing that happens at the end of the episode from Mm -hmm. the way that Holden seems turned on at the shoe store. Interesting. So it's mixing it all together in this, you know, it's confusing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. Man, that's like a deep dive. I want like to kiss you all over. Do, 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 over do. again. Are my feet With getting the night bigger? <clears throat> this is real. Yeah, well, half size. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, I don't want big feet. They're talking all about her feet. And man, first of all, I just have to say, Debbie, I. You know, I'm a. I wanted to mention this. I'm a part of a bunch of Facebook groups for Mine Hunter, um, because we're doing the show. I'm interested in what other people have to say, and one of the things is I'm I, glad you are. Uh, Why well, you're? Not, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> you're terrible. You're like tense now. Uh, I'm holding. I'm. I'm. Yeah. In, I'm looking at the internet. I'm. I'm in. In. I'm investigating, and you're like tense. Come on, hold it. Get off that goddamn internet. Get, go outside and play with a basketball, kid. Throw a football with me. Um, but uh, people don't like um, – they don't like uh, Nancy. They, a, lot of, a lot of people like Wendy, and they don't like Debbie. People think that Debbie is really um, cold or arrogant or whatever. I, on the other hand, love her. I think she's an amazing character. I love this actress. And I think that she is really too much for Holden, you know? She Oh, way too much. She she just knows herself so much more than him and she's I think really much more self-confident and even though she's not at the same, you know, he's a little bit older. Uh he's not that much older than her. And he's more in his career, but I just love her character and I love every scene she's in. And I think that I, this is really interesting the way that she is mature enough to pick up on his kinks and what he might like, whereas he's just kind of like a little fish floating down the river. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, he doesn't really get what's going on, Holden. He thinks he does. He thinks he's the boy wonder, but really a lot of things are happening to him. Yeah, and they're happening too fast in their relationship, yeah. and he's not picking it up the cues. No, and this is see, this is part of the problem. Like with the Nancy character, I I didn't necessarily like her at first, but upon rewatch and going through it, I actually like her a lot yeah. more. And um, unfortunately, like with Breaking Bad, with the Anna Gunn character, people hated her character. This is the this is one of the issues we get so immersed into following our two male leads anyone who disrupts that right we tend to to be like oh i hate that character you know but put yourself in nancy's shoes and i I think i mentioned this before while she's home alone she's taking care of a kid who's got a lot of problems uh her husband's not communicating with her and she keeps saying that over and over and bill just wants to table discussions and and talk about it push it off and that would be frustrating put yourself in her shoes 
and feel like, and she feels trapped and she just wants her husband and she wants to have a family. And I, granted, you know, he's the FBI, he's got tough work and everything, but it, it's, Bill doesn't, Bill can't table what happened at work and come home and be a dad and be, he loves his golf. He, he but in the same time, what he sees every day is, you know, would ruin any man or, or want to numb it by alcohol or just you need your quiet time. But it's very hard to be married uh, when you have this job. And so, it, it, you know, if you look at it from both perspectives, you know, cut Nancy a little slack out there. You know, I agree, man. I agree. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing as Anna Gunn in Breaking Bad, which is if your husband was a homicidal a sociopathic maniac or turned into that and broke bad, would you really be happy? No. And it's the <laughs> same thing. Like, look, we have it here too. Bill's on the phone. Nance, I can't talk about this right now. I blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They're talking about his kid. He's like, I didn't want to try to, ha-, you know, and later on when we see the conversation with them at dinner, I was hoping it wouldn't get to therapy. I mean, Bill, what the, f- you're hoping it wouldn't get to therapy. You're a therapist. You go around talking to these serial killers, you investigate people's minds, you understand the importance of this, yet you can't relate that to your own child? What the fuck's wrong with well, you? Well, he's in denial. Yeah, he's in exactly. Denial. And that's he's what total in yeah. denial. And I think that yeah. people that's what I see too is people tend to not like exactly what you said. That's a great way of putting it, Solo, that whoever disrupts the flow of our male heroes, regardless, um, people get upset. And I happen to think that the three female characters of this season are all great. They're they're, And in many ways, I think they're very well-realized. I don't think it's a function of like bad writing that Nancy seems to be nagging or whatever. No, because that's the position that she's actually in. You know, and um, Wendy, too. I just love her, man. She I, I will admit that the kind of is very intelligent uh, that Wendy and Debbie are more. We don't get to see as much with Nancy, um, so I won't judge. But it does kind of remind me of my wife. I know both of our wives are very strong, independent, career driven, intelligent women. So I think both of us tend to be attracted to that and like it when we see it on TV as well. Oh yeah. I mean, and and for Holden, Wendy would be the perfect match for him. Um, just because she, she has, she's a more mature. I mean, Debbie's mature for her age, but Debbie's a little more promiscuous and a little on the edge. She's on her journey. Yeah. She's on her journey. Wendy is, even though she's at a crossroads career-wise, she's older and she knows where she, she's at, even though she does have some growing to do and, and is changing. But she's very – she's not as out there as Debbie taking risks. Exactly. So it would be more grounded for Holden. But it's funny how you almost have the – what Debbie – it's almost like he sees what Debbie could be in when, with Wendy – but Debbie is still on her journey because yeah. she is still young. And so that's a great uh, back and forth with that. 
Yeah. And this is, um, and it plays into, now we get to the second interview with Brutos. Um, Holden has the shoes. They're sitting there on the table. They, they, he, this interview goes um, a little bit differently because Brutos, once the shoes come out, kind of opens up more. Right. And they really, they really get to, we get more of a feeling that we got with Kemper where he's sharing information with them. Now it comes at a price in the beginning where Tench does play that game with him, where he kind of taunts him over dressing as a woman. He says to him, what do you, what would your kids have thought? Right. Um, daddy's likes to dress like a woman and, you know, what does your wife think, you know? And then he does what mm-hmm. you said. He says, he says, uh, give, give her my love. And then, um, Tench says, I'll do that, Jer. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was holding and then his Jer. face changes. Happy Anderson does a great thing where he's in like a smiling smirk. And then it just becomes like kind of a smirk. And then he just gets up and he says, Tony, I'm, you know, let's get out of here. Then the shoes come out for real and we get in, we get into it. We get down deep into the mother stuff and Holden talks about his mom walking in on him jacking off. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and Bill Axel, um, and then admits that, no, I didn't talk to your wife. She wouldn't talk to us. Yeah. And he kind of is real, but one question I have for you is why do you think Bill was so anti using, you know, his real, when we're talking to Wendy, I'm not going to use my real wife's name and my talk about my boy, but he does say Nancy. Yeah. He he gives that information. Why do you think he did that for, to get him to talk or, well, I think, cause then brute, I think later Brutus is like, should have brought me a pair of Nancy shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Right, which is very the exact kind of thing that um, Bill didn't want to hear. Right, like the use of his own wife's name, like coming out of a serial killer's mouth. You know, he gave him mm-hmm. ammunition. I think it, Solo it clues into what he says, what Wendy says to him later when they have the secondary breakdown and li- when they listen to the tape from this interview. And she says, you should have made something up or what he, and he says, listen, there's only two ways you can go in with these guys. You got to be honest. And I think the way that tension, that's kind of like the way you're seeing where Holden thinks he can create this alternate personality and pretend like he's a serial killer when he's talking to them. Whereas Tench mm-hmm. is kind of like, he's like, no, you have to understand if we want to meet them at their truth, we have to give them our truth. We can't lie to them to get them to tell the truth because it's going to be harder for us to maintain our own sanity throughout it. You know what I mean? Like he, Tench doesn't know any other way to be than to be totally honest and emotional. It's like we were talking about in other episodes where in the beginning it's, he felt like Holden was losing it, you know, in these, in, in these interviews, but really it was Tench who was losing it 
because he was getting emotionally invested because he's like, he's an open book. You know, all of the, all of his tough Mm -hmm. guy persona comes from the fact that he's marshmallow inside. Yeah. And, you know, and again, Wendy's pissed. They threw out the questionnaire. Yeah. Uh, And then they get into this cross-dressing talk where, you know, because again, they don't know that Wendy's gay and that she's a part of that community. Right. And so it's interesting how it's like not every cross-dresser is a killer, you know, and, 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 but anything that's abnormal in 1977, oh, they're a cross-dresser, they must be whack. You know, you know, it's just, it's a form of expression and identity and, but the old school way isn't open just yet. I mean, not that society will ever be totally open about it, but it's at least, at least now in present day, it's, you know, it's right. I'm not going to say don't. it's more accepted, but you know what I mean? We're not, we see, you know, across, it's not like, Oh my God, what's that? It's like, Oh no. Yeah. I, well, I think, you know, that's, you know what I mean? Definitely. You know what I mean? No, without a doubt solo. And I think that there was, I think that, Part of that whole 1970s and 80s and serial killer mania in America and Manson and all that kind of, right? And like social and cultural upheaval, the 60s and and sexual revolution is that there was a backlash where there became this idea that every serial killer started out as a cross-dresser. And I think that's what they're trying to also because we're watching a TV show, right? Like they concentrate on that point to make a point, which is that in no way does your mo, you know, that's like, that's like whether you turn right or left when you leave your house in the morning, you know what I'm saying? Like it is no bearing on that. It's just that this particular, uh, in these particular cases, this happens to be something that's a part of that. Right. Um, not all of them. And you're right. It's interesting the way they talk and the way that their um, Tench and Wendy are kind of having a fight that's not really about them. It's really more about, well, I mean, I should say it's not really about what they're talking about. It's really about them, right? Like she's saying to him, mm-hmm. you're overly masculine. And he's saying to her, you're so academic, you have no heart. Right? And... Mm-hmm. Holden is just kind of watching mom and dad fight. <laughs> yeah. Holden sits there and every once in a while you watch his face. He like, he looks at Wendy and he's upset and he looks at Tench and then, he, <laughs> and then he just asks like, an, he just asks a question that is like off topic to try to get them back into, <laughs> you know, like you do when your yeah. mom and dad were fighting. You're like, no mommy, daddy, can we go to McDonald's now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it's an interesting conversation. It's a very interesting conversation they have because what do you think, Solo? Do you think that Tench was doing – do you agree with Wendy or do you agree with Tench? Did you get the sense that he was trying to hurt um, Brutus as well and like dominate him for the interview or did you feel that he was – a it really was a methodology he was using in order to get information from him. I think it, it's like when you have say, like when he mentions his wife and he's very, um, wants to get under his skin wants to get back at him. He uses it. And I think while he's using it, he likes using it. Yeah. But then 
when he realizes, wait a minute, we're going to lose him now, he comes he back down back. to earth. Yeah. It's, he it's pulls a tight back. Rope. So, yeah, I think the the key with Bill here is he caught himself and he could have just let him walk and said, screw this guy, you know, uh, but he doesn't in this interview. So, yeah, I think he – the problem is when he – you know, says things that, you know, we're just like, you know, he's kind of like feeling like the everyday man where he's just like, you're, you're a psycho. Why am I wasting my time? Yeah. You know, I don't care if your feelings are hurt, but he does pull it back. So I think that, you know, he does show some, uh, some progress here, uh, with, cause he could easily just be like, I'm done. I'm done with this. I don't want to talk to this joker. Uh, so he, you know, that's my feelings. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, you're right. It's like kind of a tightrope because Wendy is correct in that he is playing masculine, you know, roles and games with him. And then Tench says, you know, you got to understand men do this. It gets the tension out. And the way he explains it is very, is correct, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes dudes, you, you kind of. You, you you flex a little bit and then everybody calms down and, and you know, you go, you, you kind of show who you are in the room and it did kind of work whether it was what, what I think Wendy thought was that it was coercive in the sense that it, if they continue doing this and even in this sense, perhaps Brutus was only giving them, he was just bullshitting them, telling them anything to get the results of what, he wanted, which was like the shoes, which she thought was maybe a bit much crossed the line from cigarettes and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But then again, I kind of thought that Wendy should have had the idea like, Hey, this is only like our first real interview together. We're going to make some mistakes. Like, why are you getting so upset? Wendy? Like if you're a scientist and you know, you're going to make mistakes, it's not all blue skies, you know? then you've got to learn how to work with these guys. So, but we also see something we didn't mention is this starts the cat. So there's two scenes we get, um, which will become part of, uh, this is kind of a theme in the show here with Wendy. She moves into this apartment. She finds this cat. We get these scenes with Wendy kind of on her own. Um, what do you think about these scenes? Because I think it gives they're they're not that long. We get, just little silent moments of Wendy. And it's interesting because so much of, I guess it shows that Tench's life is full of his family. Holden's wife is full of his girlfriend. And Wendy is kind of alone in this apartment with nothing to do, but like leave food for a cat. Yeah, I was, uh, (laughs) I read into this way too much until this last rewatch as, I apologize if, you know, it sounds like the world is exploding around me, uh, listeners, but, uh, because <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, she's down in the basement. What's going to happen through the window? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a cat. But I, but then after this, I'm like, she's just alone and she's yeah. just having some downtime with her wine and she's feeding a cat. And I think that's, you know, maybe they're not allowed to have pets. I don't know in the building or maybe she never had a pet, but she, feels close to, I don't know, feeding this cat. 
she gets a, a, a lot out of it for her. So it might be just the simple, you know, she can't go on Facebook in 1977, so she's <laughs> feeding a cat. <laughs> there know? is – so later on, I've done some reading on this, and when we get to – I guess it's in the final episode. We can kind of talk a little bit about this, what this may mean, because this is the thing that pops in and out. And I, this is the one thing that I would talk forward about. It's not really a spoiler. Um, I think there is a little bit of significance to it that Fincher actually said in an interview. Uh, and I haven't talked about it with you yet, so I'll tell you live on the show later. But um, I think it's an interesting little moments that I wish there was something more with Wendy when after we saw her leave um, – her partner and start this whole new life. But, um, we'll probably get to that, but for this, okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. At this point, yeah. I think that these little scenes are kind of interesting and we may have more to say about them later, but we do get a cool little okay. scene here. Uh, I should say not cool, but very deep series of scenes with, uh, Bill and his wife at dinner. Then they come home and they have kind of an altercation with the babysitter and themselves, as well as your garbage, yeah. as well as your garage truck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my garage truck that I call it. Yeah. It, it, it must be a Wednesday around noon thing, Axel. <laughs> well, uh, hey, we're see, we're getting to know now, Solo, um, how you work at your, your garage truck serial killer is coming every Wednesday. <laughs> I'm never going to live that down. But uh, speaking of garage trucks, yeah, you know, Wendy has her tuna and her cat. I have my garage trucks that I like to feed. Anyway, uh, it's, you know, it's part of the realism. It's it, it's it's the inside Heath's, the depths of Heath Solo <laughs> becoming a becoming a serial podcaster. It, it's just you get it all when it's live. You so, do, baby. Um, have a laugh, you know. But, yeah, no, the Bill and Nancy – Wow. This yeah. has been building up. No. This has been building up. Because remember with the dinner scene, mm -hmm. when she, Nancy makes the comments, hmm, the phone you don't calls. talk to me. The phone calls, and Bill wants to, like he says, he wants to table the discussion for, for later. He's tired, overworked. Uh, but, yeah, the whole, you know, should we have a doctor or a musician as a therapist? And it's 45 bucks a pop, but, of course... You know, he spends that for a club, but a club, I guess you can keep and, you know, anyway. Yeah, because you don't get uh, to keep the sun, right? Like the sun is. A, yeah, yeah, right. It's very, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? The, the the dichotomy between the separate, uh, Bill is so complex, you know, like the separation he has between things is really weird, but it's the way that so much of, I guess, America worked for so long, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and even when uh, um, you know Brian gets into the his office and the photos, and you know Bill is like, you know, I gotta, you know, it's twenty years old, but I gotta put a lock on the. I'll find the key to the filing cabinet. Maybe I should just lock the door. And Nancy's like, he just wants to get close to you. Yeah, he's wearing your ties, your shoes, and and then Bill, unfortunately, as much as it it it. it it like not disgusted me, but I was bothered by it. But he was being honest. He goes, he's not that interesting. 
And I'm like, oh boy, that's the wrong thing to say, buddy. But he's, but he's like, you know, I can't even get a, a hug from my son. He doesn't look mm-hmm. at me. He doesn't talk to me. So he's frustrated, but he, he's not, he's not really, he's like, well, I'll be home on the weekends. But it's like, you know, you're playing with them and you're looking at your watch. And that's when he says, well, he's not that interesting. And he just, you're, you're, you're eager to go to your next golf match. And so it really, but the scene, Axel, this scene, I give Nancy a lot of credit in this because Bill's going off, throwing down the photos. You want me to bring home work? Okay, here you go. This is, you know, and then even there's a point where Nancy looks at him like Brian's sleeping and uh, Bill actually lowers his voice. It's a great acting moment where he's aware of his surroundings, but he still goes off. And she actually, you, you look at Nancy's look while he's going off. And she's not gonna, she's not turned on, but she's like almost thankful that he's letting emotions out for once. He's he's talking to her. And even though it's about some bad crap, she's like, and that's why she embraces him. And then Bill Amino's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But it was actually, I thought they took a step forward in their relationship with this, even though it seemed like gonna be the worst fight and it, it, it could kill them. But it's what she wanted. She wants some emotion out of Bill. Yeah. Talk to me. I'm your wife. We're supposed to be in this together. As much as Bill wants to protect everyone, and that's his job, and he doesn't want to bring it home. But he is bringing it home because he's not there. Yeah. He's not there when he's home. And and that's even worse at times. And in Nancy's little hints, it's always like, ah. But that emotional scene, oh, my God, it just... um. I, that still sticks with me. I, I, it's one of the stronger scenes. Well, everything is practically a strong scene in this show. But this one really, I felt it was good for both characters. And I and I hope this helps their relationship. We'll see. But it just feels like they broke some ground here. Yeah. The, the whole, um, these whole series of scenes from the dinner out, to getting home to the babysitter quitting because of the pictures, but not only the pictures, but it's obviously because Brian has so many problems and the babysitter is kind of bugged out about it. Right. And she seems to yeah. be making connections. Is this kid weird? Why would he take those pictures? Right. To the, yeah. to the breakdown that bill has. It's wonderful. It's so classic Americana. Um, the acting is wonderful and you're absolutely right. Solo. She just wants him to open up and she loves him and she loves her son and she just wants to have a family. You know, Bill holds a lot in. He's, he's trying to do it. Like he says, I have to protect everyone. And when he says everyone, Mm -hmm. you know that he means the entire world. You know, right. like he's just a guy who wants to help. He wants to get these killers off the street, especially those that hurt women and children. That's like his goal in life. And yet he's ignoring the woman and child in his life. You know, it's um, Bill reminds me. It's like an old story. I don't want to diverge too much, but it's like when you hear an interview with Julian Lennon, John Lennon's son, right? Where mm-hmm. he says, like, my father wanted to save the world, but he never even played with me. 
You know, sometimes right. these men who think they're they they're so powerful and strong, they have they do everything for everyone except for the people they rely on the most. You know, and um, you're right. This is just a great a great classically written and acted and shot. It's beautifully done. The babysitter is awesome. Um, Bill breaking down. It's really beautiful. And um, well, it's I mean, it's beautiful because it's real. But it's sad right. because Bill's taking this so hard. It's like he said about Holden. How does Hol- he can survive anything when, you know what? Bill doesn't exactly like going and talking to a serial killer. It bugs him out. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, it's I, great. Yeah, and speaking of that, I have a challenge, a help, a please help me challenge to our listeners. All right, let's hear so, it. So I love Bill's shirt. It's like dark blue with the white like outline of the pocket and the shoulder. And I'm looking for a shirt like that. I need this shirt. Okay. So <laughs> which so shirt is it? Where if, is it? it? It's in the uh that he's uh in this sequence when he goes out to dinner. It's the blue shirt okay. that he's wearing. So that style, I just love it. Oh, yeah. That's and a I don't great know how, shirt, Solo. I know. I don't know how to go about finding it on the internet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's it's weird. I, I don't know if I put in Bill's shirt in episode seven and then go find I mean, so if anyone some, is browsing the internet and knows a quicker way, I will do a podcast, whatever movie you want. A, a, a Heath Solo. Maybe I'll even bring Axel on. Uh, if you get him a shirt, no, I don't need, I don't physically need the shirt. I just need a link of something close to it. That's a great so shirt. I will do whatever, mo- whatever movie you want. I'll talk an hour about it. And uh, if it, I mean, it's a shot in the dark. Uh, I'm going to try. I just, I need this shirt. All right. And actually, uh, some some of the NFL shirts are designed like that. The coach's shirt yeah, this year on the right. sidelines right. are designed like it. So maybe I just get a Dallas Cowboy one and call it a day. But I love this shirt. I don't know. I mean, I may have to go to Salvation Army or something and find a retro shirt. But I want this shirt. So if you could point me in any direction to find this shirt on the web, let me know. And I am going – I will get a screenshot of this shirt and I'll put it on our Facebook page and up on the Twitter too. So join (laughs) – find us at DVR Podcast. And join the Daily DVR Twitter, uh, I mean, Facebook page, so you too can see a picture of the shirt that Solo desires. It'll be like bringing <laughs> Brutos the shoes, we'll bring, we'll bring Solo the shirt. <laughs> but I promise I won't do what Brutos okay, does. Okay, no just... jacking off in the shirt during the podcast. Solo. No, I will, I will wear it yes. and go out to dinner and take pictures and... We have one rule of podcasting. We've been doing this 11 years. We have one rule. We do not jack off while doing a podcast. We do not. No, no. that does not happen. Kid show. show. Um, All right. Well, speaking of kid show, let's get to the final kind of scenes here. We get a quick scene where Wendy and uh, Holden discuss um, the the mother thing that's happening with Brutos and particularly why he's fascinated about the shoes, right? And um, they go over, Wendy says it's two reasons. The mother burned the shoes, which kind of burned the meaning mm. into his mind. 
And then the teacher whose shoes he stole and yet was fascinated. Why did you steal the shoes? Almost seemed delighted that he paid enough attention to her to take her shoes. These contrasting events solidified the importance of shoes in his mind. Yeah. I found this to be kind of, yeah, it makes sense. It's fascinating. Um, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, because that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, buddy. Uh, At five years old, he had a fascination for shoes and then getting the mixed signals. One, the burning and the other, like, oh, like it it can mess with a five-year-old or a young man, you know, young boy. Um, Yeah, man, it's it's one of those tricky things because, again, are they born this way? Are they taught this? Is it because of trauma? And I, I, I think... It might have been a phase, but the mother burning the shoes made it more, it was imprinted in him versus just a phase. And uh, that could have been the stressor right yeah. there, right? Yeah. Yeah, the stressor. Good one. Yep. And and also, it has to do with the fact that he is mentally unstable. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, well, and, the, and there's the rub. As the that's say. what a lot of people, like, that's what the whole... You know, dressing up in women's clothing or like there's a, millions of people do things that you would normal. You would say that's not something I would do. And they are not serial killers. You know, the the no. the thing that the only thing that all these people have in common is that they're murderers. Right. That's the right. true thing that we can't lose sight of. And I think that's something that kind of that Wendy never loses sight of. Like it does their abhorrent behavior or different behavior, abnormal behavior is not what makes them a serial. What makes them a serial killer is they are murderers that they focus this into killing other humans and dominating them in that way. Um, And I think and that's something that Wendy also tries to make kind of known to Holden. Um but you know how deep it gets. I don't know. Then I forgot we have a quick scene right before the Holden, um, uh, and uh, um, now I'm now I'm getting Debbie, Nancy, Wendy mixed up, and the, <laughs> and the Debbie scene here, um, which is where where um, Tench and Wendy kind of make up. Um, you know, he he says you know they kind of talk a little bit. They see each other's point of view and they basically really get together by looking at Holden and commiserating on him. And that's where Bill says, that guy's immune to everything. I wish I could get some of that. (laughs) And then we cut to this whole scene. Yeah. Which is obviously not true. But there's one thing we should mention because we did a little research on it earlier, which is that... um, Tench was looking at the knots in the Ada Jeffries case. Um, and then he gets, he calls a guy in Iowa and kind of detective McGraw, detective McGraw and updates him on this. Now this will come up again. And we did hear about this in episode one, but there is not yet any other connection in the show to this case. This is all we know of as of yet. 
because this is kind of in the Mindhunter fandom. This is a little interesting part of the show. And we'll, just like with the cat thing, we'll get to it. So just pay attention that he had this phone conversation. Yeah, and it's the Ada Jeffries case. So we'll remember that. So Might be a while. Remember that. Put that... Yeah, put that in the little basket yeah. of Mindhunter Joy exactly. to go back to. There you go. And now we get a very awkward dinner scene where Holden kind of is just effusing uh, his his pride in, um, in uh, Debbie, Nancy, Wendy. And... Um, <laughs> And, you know, he's kind of like, oh, you're amazing, and you just have a tenacity to go on. And she's kind of like, okay, Holden. Okay. You know, he's like really into her, right? Like he's almost- Yeah, he's got a little wine, and he's kind of like, marry me. What, so I can cook for you? (laughs) He's really kind of feeling it, but he's also kind of like um, a little bit- uh, how do you say, like, um, lowering himself a little bit to her, right? Like, he's kind of, like, in awe of her, almost as if she's so powerful. And he it's kind of like he's playing with power dynamics, too. He's not mm-hmm. just complimenting her. He kind of likes the feeling of her a little bit of domination. And then we see she comes out in the lingerie, and that's exactly kind of what's set up here is she's like this powerful, it's almost a little dominatrix type thing. It doesn't get into that, but she's like very powerful and she's absolutely gorgeous. I'm not one who gets into the lingerie, but she like, she, she really wears it. Doesn't she solo? Oh yes. And you know, Hey, she's, she's done with her exams. Yep. She's happy. She's, she cooks mm-hmm. holding surprise that it's good. And <laughs> he's like, she's like, what? But, like, even to where he's given her the toast and he rambles and she goes, oh, I thought this toast was about me because he starts getting into his own things. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Holden, what are you doing? Yeah, that's what I mean. You it's know? like he's – it's about him, right? Yeah, yeah you're right. That's what him, I forgot that she says that. They talk about his cases. Yeah. They talk about, you know, very rarely do – does Hol- Holden always turns the conversation into his life what he's working on. He, there's never a scene where it's like him and Debbie talking and it's just about her, Man. you know, it's always about him, you know, trying new shoes for him. Oh, I don't like it. Um, you know, just, it, it, it turns everything to that. And I, I can understand why Debbie is frustrated, but the, the whole, uh, foreplay scene where the shoes just, Catch Holden's eye, yeah, and he can't yeah. get his mind off the shoes. And me neither. It's got to be the shoes. They shot this so oh. well because they're coming for me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I thought that was the Bill Tension Holden and Shepard. Uh oh, they're always uh, always got to be on the lookout. But yeah, they really get yeah. you on oh. this one, man. Because she comes out and she's strutting, and she's powerful and sexy, and she's gorgeous, and she's smiling and like having fun with it. And he's kind of like a little boy sitting there and it's going nice. And then she, you see the shoes. And then I got the same kind of feel like I just kind of was like, oh, because it just made you think of Brutus 
whacking it in his shoe. You know what I mean? Like it just was not. Yeah. uh, And then he gets turned off because of the same reason, but because he's really kind of immature, he blame, he says, it's not, this just isn't you. And he basically fricking makes her feel terrible. Oh, he pushes her away and like, like, uh, get off me. And it was just, I felt so bad for Debbie. Me too. And, you know, and I forgot about this. And watching it again, I'm like, man, why does Debbie put up with this crap? I know. I mean, it's he, not like he's an abusive guy, but he's he's not there. No, yeah. He's not there, just like Billy. He's not there. And she's going, she's like basically saying, listen, I appreciate you being um, patient with me through my exams and my work, even though you do tend to stop by and annoy me. But <laughs> I'm doing this for you. I'm cooking you dinner. I put some sexy lingerie on, and I'm about to, you know, take care of you. And he just treats her like garbage. Yeah. And you know, and, and when she said, when he says it's not you, and she's like, "Yeah, Holden, that's the point." Exactly. And it's like, oh, booyah. Yep. Yeah. I want to kiss you all over. Yep. And also the the another great song was playing here, where uh, the Meatloaf Two Out of Three Ain't Bad song. Yeah. Yeah. Which I is want you, I want kind you. of like Debbie's mixtape. <laughs> She's it was Hot Child in the City, and the <laughs> the two out of three ain't bad, and then Kiss You All Over. Debbie's rocking the jams. I know this is get me excited for the DJ Solo does Mine Hunter jams podcast. I can't. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I can't wait, man. But yeah, Holden is um. You know, you wish that Holden would have just stopped, and he would have said. Listen, I have to be honest with you. I'm working on a case. And when you saw me at the shoe store, you might have thought I was getting turned on. But the reason I was turned on was because of my job, not sexually. And now you're wearing the shoes and it's reminding me of that. It's not you, Deb. Like, thank you so much. You're gorgeous. I love you. But it's just, this is, this is just, it comes at a weird time. So maybe we could try this again when I'm not thinking of this serial killer and shoes in a prison, you know? That'd be too easy, Axel. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, so, he makes her feel terrible. But that's what yeah, – emotions are difficult. Yeah, that's if, – if we all said the right things yes. throughout our life at all times, you know – Life would be so much easier, but unfortunately, it doesn't work no. that way. And it shows also, though, something that we're starting to understand. We're at episode seven. We got three episodes left in this season. Um, Holden is being dramatically affected by this journey he's on. And in yeah. the, the ways that we're seeing it very subtly here, internally, it's much stronger. Whereas with Bill, Bill is actually externalizing, you know, um, his wife is helping him and he's opening to her. He's older, he's more mature. He, and right from the beginning, he told Holden, this was a dangerous job and a dangerous journey they were on. And Holden was like, whatever, you know, I'm super intelligent. I can get through anything. I don't have emotions, but we're starting to see it's really destroying his relationship. Yeah. So. It's tough stuff, this mine hunting solo. It is. It's tough. It's, you know, things are coming on at all ends, and we just got to 
brace ourselves for the final three episodes. Yep, but a tangled web you weave or what you practice is to hunt some minds, baby. All right. <laughs> find that shirt, so, people. Find that shirt, please. Point me in the right direction. I need that shirt. All right. It'll make me happy. This was a great episode. I had so much fun today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for downloading. Hey, listen, I just want to give a shout out because those Facebook groups, you all are awesome. And our downloads, we're getting listed on the iTunes. I'm looking at the numbers. We're doing fantastic. People are really enjoying this. And I'm happy too because we're not super like um, true crime expert guys. We're watching this like a TV show, but we're bringing the crime in. People are enjoying it. And if you have anything, you know, anything you want to add people to this podcast, email us at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. Really appreciate it. And thank you, Solo. I've, I've been having such a fun time doing this with you, brother. And I'll let you take us out. Yeah, no, no, it's, it, it, this is so much fun. This is one of my favorite shows. Uh, and it, it's great going in depth because this is definitely a rewatchable show. And you go through it once, you, oh, it's great, you can binge it, but it's good to go back and actually watch it week by week after you did the binge because you get so much out of it. Uh, yeah, in episode seven, this was directed by Andrew Douglas. We forgot to mention that. Uh, not that you didn't know, but we like to throw the directors out there. So, yeah, I'm excited for episode eight. We got, uh, you know, three doozies coming up, so we'll uh, brace ourselves I mean, I was thinking about not doing the podcast ever again, but you know what, Axel? I'll do it as long as I know I don't have to. I want to kiss you all over. <laughs> yeah, to the night. I don't know the words, so I just hit To the night. To the night. Closing. Yeah, baby. Love it. All right. That was awesome. <laughs>